Today we'll be defining the spectrum of railroading to sandboxing, how to utilize them in your GM toolbox and the player perspective on each approach. Welcome to Dueling GMs. I'm Joseph. And I'm Anthony. This is a show for GMs and players. One about designs and details. To build a better role-playing community. So first we're going to just give the spectrum of railroading to sandboxing. Um, on the one side, you have hard rails, uh, transitioning to soft rails. And on the other side, we got choose your own adventure. And on the other, uh, on the far side there, sandbox. Yeah. So we so kind of see this as a, as a, you know, a line graph, right? A, a one progresses to the next progresses to the next, uh, on a sliding scale, right? They're not necessarily separate from each other. One can easily transition, uh, whether you mean for it or not to another one or vice versa. Right. 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 Okay. Yeah. So we'll, uh, we'll go into each one. And, uh, but before we do that, I, I kind of wanted to set a, set a scene, a little picture, uh, from one of our previous, uh, workshops. Uh, that way we can kind of use examples through each of the, uh, items or each of these choices here and sort of talk about it in that context. Sure. Go for it. Uh, all right. Uh, after a long journey through the mountains, the party finally arrives at the town of Redfall. As you make your way through the city streets, passing the famous jewelry store Silver Height, you see in front of you the Bedrock Inn. So from here, there are choices that the GM can make. Um, and we're going to sort of break it down to each, each type and uh, see where the story might lead us. Okay. So let's, let's start with just general concept of railroading um i probably have to disclaimer it a little bit right uh, yeah a lot of people are are immediately hearing that no railroading is bad we hate railroading you know and picking up their pitchfork to you know join the cause right right yeah so you know this is something that um you know we want to have a disclaimer that it's definitely worth listening uh if you think if, if you're one of those people with the pitchforks uh, about railroading if you're not uh, you know, join in and hopefully, you know, we'll be better off anyway. Uh, so what is railroading? Let's start with that. Or how are we going to define ra- railroading in this? Are you asking me or do you have your definition asking, in mind? Yeah, yeah I'm going to start with you. Okay. Uh, railroading in my mind is where you have a predefined story and you just kind of expect the characters to hop on board and ride along they get to maybe be casual observers um rather than the ones you know driving the car to the destination uh, or even getting to determine the destination yeah sometimes it's seen a little bit more like a like a book uh at times um yeah but- i get to listen to you tell me about your novel right yeah yeah Exactly. Uh, I, I come from a little bit more of a, a technical background uh, and I was trying to uh, think of like a good way of describing what railroading might look like. Uh, and the thing that came to mind was uh, like graph theory, like a closed graph uh, where, you know, there is a set of nodes and edges where you, that that's it. Like your, your limitation is that uh you cannot deviate from uh going from one you know plot point to the next so to speak okay um so let's 
kind of focus on hard rails and soft rails. Those are the two that we kind of we different differentiated from each other uh, that falls under the umbrella of railroading. Uh, so we'll start with hard rails specifically and sort of go from there. Yeah. So this is the far extreme on one side of the of yeah. the spectrum, right? Yep. Yeah. Hard, hard rails. We uh, using your your graph theory idea is there's basically a single line from point A to point Z. And you may have a few stops along the way, but it's always going to be just a, a singular line, no deviations, right? So it's like a line segment and that's it. Yeah, and so we, we had a few um, ideas of, of games that we've played, right? You mentioned which one? Yeah, so uh, video game wise, uh, I mentioned the Uncharted series, uh, great okay. games. Um, and probably just more generally speaking, adventure or action adventure games. Um, you know, there is a singular story to tell, uh, a lot of great cutscenes, a lot of, you know, great aspects to the games, but, uh, it is a hard rail in my, in my mind. Yeah. There's usually just a singular objective, maybe a few side objectives to accomplish, but you know, going into any location, what you're supposed to be doing. Um, and if you try to deviate too much, well, you come across, you know, a wall you can't climb or a door that you can't open. And it's the game's way of saying, well, that's not really what you're supposed to be focused on. Right. Yeah. You're yeah, not here that for sense. that. Let's, uh, let's bring you, let's, you know, bring it back really in. Yeah. So, so what does it look like then in a, like a tabletop setting? Yeah. So going back to that original, um, you know, uh, synopsis there, as you, as you make your way through the city streets. Passing the famous jewelry store, Silver Height, you see in front of you the Bedrock Inn. No need to roll. Uh, you see some people trying to break into the Silver Height jewelry store. Uh, they see you noticing them and act and decide to fight you. Roll for initiative. Okay. So, so you're setting the stage and then immediately something happens. And then before you get a chance to respond to that something, you're thrown into an encounter in this case it's a combat encounter but you could do a similar thing for like a social encounter or you you have people that are getting you know caught up in difficult terrain and you know have more of the exploration type of encounter but the the key thing here is you presented a concept and then the players didn't necessarily get to choose whether they wanted to participate or not they just have to that's basically it that's basically it. Yeah, they they have to react to what the GM is saying. There, it wasn't a time for them to make a decision outside of that. Okay, uh, and that you're right. That makes for uh, the GM can control a lot of the the context and a lot of the plot. You can have a lot of your stuff kind of pre written that way, as long as you're because you know from start to finish how things are basically going to play out. Uh, and so it makes for some cooler cinematic descriptions. Like you said, just in the video games, some of those are just cutscenes because technically it doesn't even matter what the players do. We'll just kind of pre-record it. Uh, you can kind of have a, some of that like, play out for the, your tabletop games as well. It makes for some really cool storytelling, but it's a, like more of a one sided, you know, one perspective storytelling, I guess. Yeah, it's, it's definitely, uh, you know, like, like you said, one-sided and just in that example of just, you know, them not needing to roll, uh, it kind of focuses on the, you know, 
this is role independent and you will notice them. They will notice you and I plan for combat. So we're going to have it. Um, so yeah, it's definitely, there are times when, you know, that's, well, we can get into that, but, uh, some things that a GM might hear from a player in hard rails. What, what yeah, so they... I, I hear this, I hear this description and my immediate thought, and I think you can maybe even pick up on it when I was asking, you know, trying to clarify there. My immediate thought is I don't get a choice in the matter. Yeah, I, I don't necessarily get to decide whether I'm even paying attention to the jewelry store. I don't get to decide whether uh, I want to fight or ignore them. Um, and, and so there's a lot of that that's it my player agency is taken away from me. Yep. Um, yeah. And player agency is, is important at times. Um, so let's shift gears a little bit um, to the soft rails. Um, let's kind of break that down a little bit. I know, you know, kind of continuing with the, with, you know, graph theory and nodes, uh, edges with soft rails, I would kind of describe this a little bit more, like, you know, a, a little bit larger of an actual graph instead of, you know, a singular line segment where you have line segments, you have multiple nodes connecting at various points. But at the end, it usually is a closed graph, meaning that all the lines converge back to a singular point. Yeah, I think when we were talking through this a little bit and, and wrapping our own brains around the four uh, types we were going to talk through. We had kind of nailed down hard rails as if you were to hop on a train that was going from Los Angeles to uh, New York City, right? And, and it just, uh, it's got stops along the way, maybe, but you never get off the train and you stay on the same one, uh, Los Angeles all the way to New York, where the soft rails, you may take you know, from LA to Albuquerque and then hop on a different train from Albuquerque to Austin and then Austin to St. Louis and then up to you know, Chicago or whatever the case is. And eventually you still make it to New York City. There's no real deviation in the end goal, but you can kind of choose along the way different places to branch off, go in a slightly different direction, but your end result is always going to be the same. Is that a fair assessment? Yeah, that's that's pretty fair. And I, I think we kind of equated this going back to the video games. Uh, some of the uh, Bioware, like Mass Effect and, and Dragon Age, where you have a few options, a couple of side quests that you can sort of pick up. But at the end, you know, a few decisions that can be made. But at the end, there is a final showdown. There are, you know, decisions that whether you chose A or B, you are at the end of the story plot wise. Yeah. Yeah, and, and Bioware has kind of made a name for itself, and uh, despite the fact that it hasn't done as well in recent years, it's kind of made a name for itself, even with Bioshock. Um, oh, yeah. sim similar thing, where your decisions matter to some degree. They affect how well people like you. They affect maybe whether certain party members stay in the party or leave the party. Uh, sometimes uh, on some of them, whether some of them survive certain encounters or not. Um, and so that does change things, but, you know, at the end of the game, you still have the same, like you said, the same final encounter. It just the variation may be who shows up to help um, and, and what happens in like the the aftermath. And that's where the, you know, the only real changes take place. The story itself is still on rails from 
you know, Los Angeles to New York using our example there. Uh, but you know, who's traveling with you, who likes you at the end, you know, how much resources, whatever the case is you have at the end of it, those things may have changed because of the decisions you made along the way. Yeah. And, and as far as I feel like what the, what the GM knows when it comes to soft rails is, uh, it's story driven with that illusion of choice. Uh, for the players, uh, the players might feel that they're making certain choices, you know, but but from there, uh, you know, the story is kind of, you know, like we said, like that end plot, that end goal is kind of what's going to be that factor, like the it's going to be that story that they've already uh, set out. But the uh, choices, like you said, uh, made along the way, uh, the players have some agency there, um, but it might not necessarily mean much in the grand scheme. Okay. So, so give me an example here. Sure. Uh, so going back to uh, that example of, you know, you're making your way through the city streets, uh, passing the famous jewelry store, silver height. Uh, you see the bedrock Inn. the GM could ask to make a perception roll. And again, that gives a little agency there. Um, but maybe regardless of the role, you see some people trying to break into the jewelry store and they might have noticed you. What would you like to do? Uh, so in this, I gave the player agency in terms of making a role to see if they notice. And, you know, I could have just said, you see them, don't worry about the role. Um, but then I also am asking what they want to do before diving into a fight. Maybe they want to help. Maybe they want to, uh, talk to the authorities, you know, they, it gives that right, right. Uh, set of options that you as the GM could be aware of what some of these options might be based on how familiar you are with, with your, you know, with the players around the table. Um, but you know that there's a kind of a finite set of options that they might do fight fighting could definitely be one of them, but at least you're asking them what they would like to do. Right. And then if you, if you say, hey, it's none of our business, we're heading to the inn, chances are what's going to happen uh, the next day when you wake up is that the authorities are you know, searching the inn and you know, they tell you about what happened and they somehow recruit you into helping track down the people responsible. And so because you didn't really take up the quest the night before, you get presented with the quest again in a different format. Um, it's the, it's the, uh, the video that, that we joked about of, uh, as you go to say no, you say yes instead. Yeah. 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 Um, but yeah. And I, I, you see that in other ways too. You might have like the job board that's, that's posted, uh, worth there's three jobs available and regardless of which job that they take, the GM basically has one creature that they're going to fight regardless of which one they do or maybe they fight different creatures do different things but their reward that they get is the information they were looking for all along regardless of which option they take right yeah you uh say there's a monster terrorizing the town uh or the next town over or you say hey there's you know a beholder and a dragon you can choose which one but you can only pick one because you know adventure guild you know limitations whatnot but you know, when you defeat it, the, the tome you were looking for was in the place that you chose. Like, congratulations, right. 
Uh, now you can, as the GM, can advance the, the plot based on the information that they find in the book. And the players uh, felt like they got to make a decision and they chose yeah, well. Exactly. And it's like, oh, I wonder what would have happened if I had chose the other one. You know, like we, we wouldn't have found this information. Yeah. So, so the problem here is, uh, unlike the hard rails where the players feel like they don't get a choice, uh, the astute players start to pick up on this and they realize that their choices don't actually matter. Yeah. So let's maybe compare uh, the hard and soft rails a bit. Uh, like, how are they similar? How do they differentiate? And, you know, when, you know, we, we sort of started talking about when to use them, but maybe just more general in terms of a design concept. Well, I think similarities are that both of them to varying degrees still take away player agency. The the soft rails is a little bit well softer in, in doing that. You still feel like you can decide certain things, but it's only the lesser things. You, you can decide which of the three taverns you're going to stay at, but regardless of which one that you go to, you know, the, the clientele may be different, but the bard that's at that particular tavern is going to have the information that you need, regardless of which tavern you go to. And eventually that's going to start to grate on the, the characters that it feels like no matter where I go, no matter what I do, the same thing kind of is going to happen. So does it even matter that I make a choice? Uh -huh. uh, so similarities there for sure. I, I think uh, if you are a little bit lighter of a player, one that's not necessarily as cynical maybe as me, uh, then they do certainly uh, differ that it does feel like I get to make decisions, which is better than not deciding at all. That mm -hmm. the the quest is thrust in front of me that I can always feel like I have the opportunity to say no. Um, and maybe if the GM continues to push it in various ways, well, maybe it's important to the plot. And so I'll go along with it. Um, but I at least feel like I get the opportunity to say no and say yes instead of, you know, never getting that chance. That's the way I can think of that, that they're most different, I guess. Yeah. Do you have any other uh, comparisons? Well, uh, I definitely like the idea for the occasional cutscene. you know, like sure. we kind of brought back with, you know, certain great games. Um, you know, if, if all it was, was a cutscene, AKA a movie. Yeah. I'd be pretty, you know, cheese that I don't get a choice to, actually participate in a video game um but there are moments uh and uh, you know we'll, we'll we can talk about when to use each of these but how they're similar yeah it definitely the player agency is kind of the factor probably amongst all of these um but how they differentiate is is that you know player agency of giving at least a few options but if like you said the astute uh player or uh you know uh, picks up on that their choices don't matter uh you know they can kind of feel in this like they like it doesn't matter like why am i at this table you know my character doesn't mean anything in the story in the grand story that should be somewhat involving of their of the of the player characters um or, or know, even revolve around them specifically. Around. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It just sort of is like, well, why, you know, I'm not the protagonists. Why, you know, why am I in the story type thing? So 
Um, there are times, though, to use it. And when would be those times? Oh, I know we'll get into a little bit more of Skyrim here in the next section. But I think similar to the way Skyrim uh, has it set up where there is an overarching main story plot that you can choose to pursue whenever you want. To some degree, it you have some predefined moments as a GM. Mm -hmm. uh, whether they're particular encounters uh, or whether they're particular story beats, hooks that, that come up, that you kind of have to know ahead of time uh, sort of how they're going to play out or at least have a couple of, you know, primary like bullet points uh, for for how this is going to play out and we talked a little bit more about the plan versus improv and, and how some people are going to you know overly plan it versus you know just make it up as they go but it doesn't matter which type of style you are um you, you kind of have a little bit of that planned ahead in your mind uh to to know hey this is this is where the the story is going so if you're going to do a, just a broad scope open world, which we'll talk about here in a minute, you can't necessarily have your primary like campaign arc as just a giant open world. That's really you as a GM saying, I don't know what I'm doing with the story. Mm -hmm. So in order to, I, the, the, I guess general rule of thumb of having a story is that it has to be on some sort of rails. Otherwise you don't really have a story. You have, you know, uh, disparate anecdotes. You're creating more of an anthology than an overarching, you know, story with multiple chapters, if that makes sense. Yeah, railroading at, at, at a core gives direction, right? Right, yeah. Uh, so that's when to use it, is if you desperately, or not desperately, just if you need to... It's time direction. to move to the next chapter. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean... I'm going to maybe say something that might be controversial is, but you know, in critical role, a lot of the dream sequences I felt were very railroady in, in a good way. Like that was a time when, you know, like you had a couple of options, maybe uh, as, as a player, just as a listener. Um, but it was like, okay, you know, spoilers for any critical role stuff, but like, you know, you have things like uh, Ukatoa, uh, you know, being present and saying certain things again and again, but that was a very similar, you know, like you knew it was coming again in another dream sequence. Um, and that was kind of, that was the scene, right? That was the, yeah. And a uh, lot of those, they, they are things that would happen to the characters. Yeah. You maybe had a chance to say things, but, but at that point, uh, the, the, DM really kind of took control of the story in a way that he doesn't normally and also describes what the characters did right where when they're conscious he would never do that same type of thing so yeah I'm, I'm with you and I I will sometimes do a similar thing with with dream sequences as well unless I specifically say you know how do you respond the assumption is this is playing out like a cinematic story and you just are getting to watch it a cutscene. Yeah. Yeah, it really is a cutscene. And sometimes I almost feel like I have to do that because otherwise the the players are never going to come around to that realization uh, because they're just kind of not necessarily on the same page with the way that works. And so yeah, so sometimes forcing them on 
temporarily onto a rail gets them back on track so they can decide to head in a direction uh, that they need to go. Um, so it's, it's maybe giving them, giving them the, the destination, giving them the New York city that they didn't necessarily have before and then have the opportunity to drive their car instead of hop on the train. Right. Right. Well, speaking of cars and Skyrim, let's, let's switch or I guess let's keep going down the spectrum here uh, and start talking about uh, open world. Okay. Generally what to, to you, what, what is open world? Open world is the type of uh, space that wherever you go, there's something to do, something to accomplish, but it's also always you have the option whether to engage or not. So this goes back to, at least in my brain, the living world, as opposed to the pause world, is often also an open world. Uh, so if you choose not to engage in that moment, well, things are still going to play out um, and they're going to play out as if you weren't participating, um, but it's not going to still be there. If you come back three weeks later, that the thing, you know, the, the farmer that was trying to desperately beckon you to come closer, if you walk back past him, you know, three weeks later, he's not going to still be doing that. There's whatever he was desperate to accomplish has, you know, long since passed. Um, but but open world gives you that opportunity to interact with everything or choose to interact with nothing. Uh, so it just at its core, that's how I think of an open world. Okay. Uh, yeah, I, I would say kind of leaning into that player agency where that is a little bit more the focus than the yeah. things than the story uh, potentially. Uh, I think a living enclosed world uh, could be applied to both an open world and a railroad world. Um, sure. You know, yeah. Things can happen. Uh, I mean, even like Uncharted, you know, you, know, you have the uh, enemy kind of doing their own thing and they're constantly chasing uh, for the same items that usually the, uh, you know, the protagonists were. Um, so, that, you know, there's a sense of, living world that your consequences or your, your choices impact it, but sometimes they don't, uh, right. you're not entirely certain, but yeah, for open world, I think, you know, player agency is a bit more the, the focal instead of kind of a background thing. Yeah. The players can choose to even interact with the main story arc or set it aside, you know, depending on whether you're doing living or pause, there may be bad repercussions for that and go and do pursue this other thing that they're interested in and come back to it without yeah, feeling cool. like they're forced to only participate in the main story. Right. Yeah. I mean, you mentioned Skyrim already. Can you think of any other video game examples for that? Yeah. Uh, so I admittedly have never finished Witcher three. I've started it multiple times and play it for like a day or two. And then I get distracted and, you know, have trouble getting back to it. And I have heard it is, you know, one of the best open world games ever created. I did, however, finish the Witcher two. And this is a, a good example uh, for, for me of uh, the, the third stage, which we haven't necessarily introduced, but I'll, I'll use the Witcher 2 to introduce it here. Witcher 2 had a couple of primary plot elements, and I don't think I'll spoil much because I don't remember. It's been so long since I played it. Um, but spoiler alert, I guess there's a prologue where there's um, a couple of decisions that need to be made. 
and that immediately splits the uh, the timeline for you, and uh, you are forced into a particular progression uh, that you can't go back. You know, you can't turn back from. And then you finish Act One, and because of a couple of choices in Act One, it again splits to the point that by the time you've made these four key crucial decisions, you've completed Act One through Three and the prologue. There are sixteen, I think, different endings to the game. Uh, all of them factor in all of those key decisions, and so I've actually seen it drawn out almost like a reverse tournament bracket that you start with a singular line and then it branches and then that branches and that branches until you have 16 different endings. That is what we would consider a choose your own adventure, which is the third category. Is that fair? Yeah. Yeah. Um, in, you know, computery terms, uh, instead of a graph, this would be more like a tree. Uh, or if you're, you know, number theory, it's, uh, what, People might say countably finite or countably infinite, uh, depending on you know the the degree of your uh, open world. I guess. Yeah, it's it's the ability to choose from any available plot device that the GM has in the world. Yeah. Um, so so it, it could be hundreds of options if they're that, you know, enterprising of an individual. It could be five or six, but the option is always there to turn down or accept any of those things. And it changes things. Yeah. So let me kind of go back to that example and kind of. Yeah, yeah, it. go for it. So, you know, as you make your way through the city streets, passing the jewelry store, Silver Height, you see in front of you the Bedrock Inn. Uh, there are a number of places you could visit before checking in for the night. Uh, and posted outside is a job board that seems to be full of options as well. What would you like to do? So, yeah, so this gives me the opportunity to go explore a little bit. And if I happen to go past the jewelry store, then the GM may have me make a roll to see if I can see you know, the theft taking place. Uh, but I could choose not to go that way at all. I also could approach the job board and see what's interesting to me. Maybe if there's something that desperate that we also decide not even to you know, stay in the, the tavern that night, but we need to go deal with this thing that was on the job board because you know we've got a lead and we need to hurry. And that completely changes things, but all of these are set up for me as potential options from the GM. So he's got at least a vague idea of how to allow us to pursue that. Yeah. He might have a general idea on, you know, for one of these job board uh, contracts that there's some spectral or ghostly, or maybe just some sort of creature in the full moon. And, you know, they're not entirely certain, but tonight's that night, you know? So if you want to pursue it, now's your chance. If not, you know, check out the jewelry store, go to the inn, look at other jobs, discuss it that night, you know, decide what you want to do with your party the next day. You know, you got so many options there that, you know, sometimes the players might uh, uh, come and say, and this is kind of the quote here, that I have too many choices. Um, they don't know which one is the main plot versus the side plots. Uh, they might not know if any of these are really plots. And sometimes uh, on top of that, sometimes the players feel like if the GM is throwing it out as a plot hook, it has to be important. 
Yes. And yeah, so that, then they then they end up accepting all of the quests. It's it's when you have the MMO and you have like, you know, 1300 side quests that are all open and taking up the whole sidebar that you don't even remember what your main quest was and you feel like you're the completionist that has to accomplish all of them before you leave the town and move on to the next city. Yeah, I mean, even going back to Skyrim, you can spend the most of the game not doing the main quest, and that's perfectly valid. Yeah, <laughs> I, I mean, I know people who have played multiple characters and hundreds of hours on that game and have never actually finished the the game itself. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, so there's so many options. Like you said, it could be just a handful. It could be a, a ton, you know, depending on uh you know how they want to choose their own adventure there uh and the gm might not have all of the chapters right now it might just be a few post notes even and maybe that's at best um you know but uh, it could be super de- detail and say you know hey if they go down this path i got all these options like you said they could have spent a lot of time on that and you know if they head to the jewelry store. Here's a few options there. Um, and we'll, we'll just see together how this is going to pan out. Um, so yeah, the open world definitely has, uh, has some you know moments with choose your own adventure. Yeah, kind of- but, but you're right that the, the player perspective can sometimes be, I have too many choices. You have choice paralysis. Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's important to to realize where you feel like you're giving them. And you know, we'll get to the pros and cons of all of them, I guess, later on. But when you feel like you're giving them lots of, of choices because you want to give them player agency, you may actually get to the point where they want you to just flat out tell them which one to do uh, because you're giving them too many options. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. And kind of continuing to the other end of the spectrum here, um, we have sandboxing. Um, Do you want to kind of describe that one for us? Yeah, sandboxing is the far end of the spectrum where players kind of create their own plot. It's a where do you want to go? What would you like to accomplish? And and the GM, for the most part, is just kind of along for the ride as well. Uh, that they maybe have a very loose uh, plot available. Uh, But for for the most part, they'll make things up if they go, if the, you know, the PCs go to a particular city. Well, I didn't necessarily have anything planned for that city, but I'll come up with stuff, you know, but you have to tell me what you're looking for. Are you looking for somebody to hire you on? Great. Let me give you a few options off the top of my head. Uh, are you looking to see if there's any sort of like military expeditions? Great. Now I can pursue, you know, help you pursue that type of thing. And it really is the GM responding to the direction of the players as opposed to the players responding to the direction of the GM. So, I mean, we haven't really talked about this before, but in a way, sandboxing is almost the players railroading the GM instead of the other way around it's player agency to the to the extreme to the extreme yes yeah yeah so we've talked about um the the idea that things like minecraft uh any type of open world survival game where there isn't really a plot outside of don't die uh things like arc 
um, even to some degree, a lot of the the kids Roblox types of games. Uh, I think you mentioned No Man's Sky, those types of things where there is a very loose play in Minecraft, even technically you go and defeat the, what the Ender Dragon, right? Uh-huh. Yep. So technically there's a really, really loose plot there, but it's almost like a way to kind of help you figure out milestones along the way. And if you get around to it, great. If you happen to do it once and then you just go create a new open world and do your own thing, you're never going to feel like you're missing out on killing the Ender Dragon again. Right. right. Uh, and if you never do it, you're probably okay with never doing it. Yeah, I mean, the the reason that it's called sandboxing, right, is because you just have a few tools to, you know, you have a, a bucket, uh, a shovel, a pail, you know, maybe a little, uh, uh, you know, mold of some sort. And your choice, do you want to dig a hole? Do you want to build a castle? Like, this is a sandbox. You want to go knock somebody else's castle over? Yeah, yeah. like, <laughs> like, you know, I'm going to give you the loose tools the the sandbox itself and a couple things and you can decide from there how you want to create your plot yeah uh and it's kind of limited strictly by imagination and just what what you're interested in yeah so so give us an example of uh in our scenario that we set up how how does that look like with our tabletop so again going back you know you're you're making your way through the city streets and you pass this jewelry store and you see in front of you the bedrock inn what would you like to do as you know, that's pretty much it. The gym doesn't have to go any further. If they are interested in saying, Hey, what are some job postings? Say, Oh, all right. You find yourself some job posts and let me describe some of those. Yeah. Total, you know, player agency there. Like if they want to go to the backside of the jewelry store, sure. Maybe have them roll to see if they notice the people breaking in. Um, but, you know, it's just kind of, you tell me, I'm, I'm all ears on what you guys want to do. Yeah. And they, they say something about, well, what time of day is it? Well, it's, it's about time for shops to start closing up, but you would have about an hour at the market. Great. It, where, where's the market? What's at the market? Oh, okay. Well, and then you start to kind of unpack it based on you know, the questions and decisions of the party. And maybe they never make it to the tavern because they go to the market and then they go and find a place for dinner. And then they ask, is there a bathhouse? And they go to the bathhouse and then they, you know, go to the jewelry store after the fact and find that it's already been robbed, you know, uh-huh. and, and it's all based on the players determining the direction, the plot and, you know, all the points along the way. And so you you almost create a story and it feels really fun for the characters because every single step along the way they decided and they have no one but themselves to blame for it. Um, but at the same time, it may be that they're saying, hey, let's go to the market. Hey, let's go to the bathhouse. Hey, let's go check out the jewelry store because they're fishing for an idea from the GM to say, here's the plot chase the plot you know here's the rabbit um and so yeah the the potential uh quote from the player in this one is no choices have presented themselves so i want to make a meaningful choice but you haven't given me a choice to make yet yeah so they're kind of they're kind of just sort of like you said fishing for something to do right and so you know, you mentioned that there's an hour left on the market. Well, 
that's something. What, what do we got at the market? You know, and so you're like, oh, they are interested in the market. <laughs> Let me talk about the market. And it's like, well, okay. it turns into a shopping episode instead of a heist, stopping a heist. Yeah. Right. It's like, well, I maybe wasn't interested in the market, but it sounded like that was the only thing in town to do. Right. Uh, so yeah, the no choices that present themselves. So they're kind of digging for, you know, digging in the sand, if you will, for, to, you know, for their own plot. And if they're not ones to make the plot or they're kind of trying to pick up what the GM saying, then maybe it'll, it'll never happen or it's a plot that they might not be interested in, but maybe it is. Yeah. Uh, so let's kind of, again, do some, you know, compare contrast with, uh, with these two things, we got choose your own adventure um, and sandboxing. How are they similar here? Uh, I think that they are similar also in the way that they deal with player agency. the The GM is more responding to the the players, and so the players feel like they get to make all the decisions for for good or for bad. So they're they're similar in that regard. That then the difference obviously is. In the choose your own adventure, there's a little bit of parameter set up. You know, you can see the walls of the sandbox and you just have to decide which direction in the sandbox you want to run. Uh, but you know kind of where your limitations are, uh, where the, the open, fully open sandbox is just like sand for days and days in every direction. A desert. Um, yes. Yeah. You, you feel like you're providing your players an oasis of, of fresh choices to make and they feel like they're lost in the desert with no water. Yeah. Um, so I think that's the, the player agency can be too extreme. And instead of just having choice paralysis, it's just paralysis. Oh no, what do we do? <laughs> right. Uh, please throw me a freaking bone, which I can understand too. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree with that. I, I don't think I have anything else to add to, to the compare contrast there because I think I'm right in agreement with you on that. W when would you use these two uh, in in stories, campaigns, etc.? If the rails are almost necessary for the main plot, um, then it, it really kind of feels like the open world concepts of choose your own adventure and... Uh, full on sandbox is any time that maybe the the uh, the characters move to a new area and they just need to get a feel for the town or they need to understand how the kingdom works and they've never been in this kingdom well introduce them just a little bit of an open space before they get thrown into the dungeon because it's part of the plot for violating the rules. Well, maybe you give them a lighthearted experience with watching somebody else violate the rules. And then they say, Oh, well, we need to find how the posted rules work. So then you can turn it around later because it's part of the plot for them to actually, you know, get thrown in jail. Uh, and then, you know, you know, so you can utilize a little bit of the back and forth, but the open world concept is, is, not bad at all for allowing them a little bit more extra downtime if they want it, allowing them to do a little bit of extra money making, uh, maybe garnering goodwill with the locals or even with like the local governments um, that you don't have to. It, it, those are just your side quests. Mm -hmm. um, even if you're not necessarily 
uh, the type that would always do the choose your own adventure or sandboxing. Those are times that you can inject that into your game before you get them back on the rails and say, okay, now it's time to go to the next destination. You know, if, if you're going, you're using the same train uh, idea. If you're going from LA to New York city and you stop at Albuquerque and you stop at Austin, well, you might as well get out and sightsee a little bit first you don't necessarily have to plan that ahead of time, but then, you know, you get back on the train and you go to your next destination that's already planned for you. Yeah. I think, uh, like you said, for, um, kind of more on the, uh, downtime aspect when the players are, you know, coming, like you said, to a new city or they just finished a big quest and you know, they got that extra money and they're like, Oh, what, you know, kind of just asking each other what they want to do. You know, you could just have kind of just fun options that are almost more evidently side quests and not always like, oh, I have too many choices. Then it's like, okay, I, I see if I want to be a bit more quest focused that I could pick up a side quest or I could join the rest of the party in a shopping trip because we just got a whole bunch of loot. And let's, you know, it's like, oh, let's just explore, you know, and that might add more you know intrigue of the town or city that you're in uh it, it, it could you know provide new options you know if you want to stick around in in, a, in an area um but it kind of gives the players like you know total you know agency there uh to explore without feeling overwhelmed that there isn't any choice yeah like because you kind of get that it's almost i, I maybe it's a little bit of like meta gaming in a, in a way, in a, in a good way for a player to say, Oh, like I'm just here to have fun. And these quests, the way they're presented to me are inconsequential compared to my original goal. Um, right. You know? And, and so it's like, it's okay if I don't choose because I feel it's not going to really impact the story. Maybe it will you know that's for the gm to decide that but um at least in the in the moment i i think it might feel a little bit more like a relaxing choice option that way right um, yeah yeah and and there's ways to make this uh work you know i'm a, a big fan of utilizing factions there's ways to make this work where you have job postings you maybe hear rumors throughout the city and they may end up taking you down opposing, you know, side quests, but mm -hmm. you end up get, getting the goodwill of a particular group, an organization in the city. You might get information that you wouldn't have gotten otherwise. Um, maybe you have allies to utilize later down the road. Um, they, there is a lot of value to it and it, it will potentially change how things play out with the the main story similar like we talked about with dragon age and and uh mass effect and and those types of bioware games that your choices matter the side quests that you choose or don't choose uh they they have an effect even like what we were talking about with the the uh jewelry theft uh you mentioned early on i think you have the opportunity if you really wanted to you could join them instead of stopping them um, you know, and how would that play out where you're new in a city and you actually get caught up in with the thieves guild and you're actually trying to lay low 
And so then you can't utilize the members of the military and the government to get the information you need. But now maybe the Thieves Guild is able to help you with the next leg of your journey instead. Um, yeah. So you're able to kind of present these open world options. Uh, and then maybe that leans back into your soft rails that at the end of the the encounter and, and the series of events here in Redfall, as you move on, it basically is going to take you back toward the main quest anyway. And you've got similar information, maybe uh, maybe similar allies. They just look a little different. Mechanics are a little bit different. And so you maybe could call that eventually getting back to the soft rails. But the way you did it was by giving more of the choose your own adventure sandbox you know, capabilities. Yeah. And you started talking about this, but uh, you know, let's kind of formalize it a little bit, just taking a step back on when would you use open world concepts and when would you use railroading concepts like together? Yeah. Or I think that's, that's one good example together? there. Yeah. Do you just strictly stick with one uh, a set of them or, you know, how do we, what do we, where do we go from here? I think you and I are are almost always pretty hard set when we present these dichotomies that in our mind, they're always false dichotomies, right? Uh, they don't necessarily have to be pitted against each other that you probably should be utilizing both and. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, so yeah, leaning into that because there are certainly GMs that are just full on pre-plan, pre-write, they could just read it off the sheet for you. And as long as you roll a couple of D20s along the way, you know, they're happy. They think you're happy and, you know, you move on. Um, and, and there probably are some people that are extremely open world and and they don't necessarily even have a plot. Uh, you know, you, we've gone six levels in our campaign and the, you know, the GM hasn't told you that, but the, this, but the GM still doesn't actually know who the BBEG is yet. You know, right. uh, that's a little, a little too open uh, because maybe they don't have a, a story to take you all the way through. It's just kind of been predicated on where do you want to go? What do you want to do? And there's only so many, you know, farmer's daughters that you can rescue from cultists uh, before, you know, it starts to get boring and repetitive and you need something a little bit more exciting. So obviously there probably are extremes, but I think if we're all honest, uh, we kind of live in the both and world anyway. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, the example I gave, I think is a good one that you pr present lots of different, maybe not lots, maybe that's the, I have too many choices again, but you present a number of different options and, uh, the outcomes are designed to be different. Uh, the information gained is different. The factions that you end up aligning yourself with uh, does change things. And, and the story is slightly different as a result. Uh, but at the, you know, the end of the day, it still potentially affects getting you back to your next destination, which is, you know, on, on the rails again. So that's, that's the primary way that I kind of tie those things together anyway, knowing that the way we kind of defined it, the rails is the main campaign and everything else is a little more open anyway, unless you're the type that's going to also plan all of your side quests to tie into the main campaign anyway. And I guess then you're just driving only on rails as it is. I don't know, do you have any, do you have any ideas on, on combining the two? Yeah. I mean, I, 
I'm kind of, uh, I guess I was thinking about this and I was kind of torn between just saying, well, just try to be in this in the middle versus like, there are times it's like ebb and flow, right? Like, yeah, I think you have to go back and forth. And I think like there are times for railroading, you know, again, great games, cutscenes are great. You know, like it, it introduces some sort of plot hook potentially there uh, in a way that's different than an open world, you know, plot hook, like, something that the players are seeking versus something that's thrust upon them. There are good times to use both of those. Um, you know, someone's trying to escape, you know, bad people and run into you. Well, that's, that had nothing to do with the decisions that you made, but that plot is now on you to, to deal with. And, you know, do you fight the, the bad people chasing? Do you run away? You know, different options there, but, the players would never seek that out um, or maybe they would, in which case it's going to be a little bit different, a little harder to find those things in an open world to, you know, seek after, uh, you know, kidnappers essentially. Right. Right. Um, so, you know, whether that's part of your main quest or side quests, like there's just different times that you don't want to lean heavily on, on any one all the time. Uh, or yeah, the players are going to start saying, you know, I have too many choices or I have no choice. Um, and I think it's always good to maybe just listen in, uh, for feedback or if you hear these quotes in some fast, you know, uh, facet or, or another, um, you might be like, Oh, maybe I need to sort of shift on the spectrum a little bit. Like, Oh, they think I have too many choices. Well, let me kind of narrow it in and not, you know, make it at least soft rails or even, you know, hard rails for a moment until they start feeling like I don't get a choice and then ease up and kind of shift that way. Hopefully yeah. you get that feel before they actually start saying, oh, I feel like I don't get a choice. Um, but it, it does require a lot of, you know, extra reading of your players and the characters of what yeah, they're... Yeah, I think that's important. Uh, is and that's the last thing we we wanted to talk about anyway was the idea that the way that you perceive how your game is going i guarantee you is different from how the players perceive it you may feel like you've given them a number of choices so th so i will use personal example and you know tear myself down here on this one i i have tried my best to present a very choose your own adventure with sandbox elements, right? Um, even though I know to some degree, I also have to take people on rails. So I, I kind of live mostly in this choose your own adventure with some sandboxy stuff, but I've heard a lot from both players and characters, um, this idea that we don't know what we're supposed to do next, or we don't know, like we have too many things pulling us in different directions and we don't know which one is the priority. There's a lot of that. No choices have presented themselves. And sometimes there's too many choices there. Um, and, and while one of those, the too many choices, that's kind of the point of this particular campaign. Um, I've, you know, I think I've told you guys this, that I've been trying to test you on, you know, realizing that you can't keep all the plates spinning. You know, at some point, some of the plates are going to start to fall and then there's, you know, fallout from that. But I don't ever want you guys to have the opinion that you don't know what you're supposed to be doing. 
because uh, in my mind, the way I've presented it is the opposite. You have way too many things and not enough time to accomplish them. Uh, but I think then I have to realize, well, I may be giving you too much of a sandbox and asking too often, what would you like to do instead of giving you very clear cut? Here's your options. One, two, three, choose between those. And I think so as a, as a GM learning, even, you know, we've been playing with the same group and the same campaign for almost exactly two years now. And I'm still learning that about you all that the way that I'm perceiving it isn't necessarily the way that you're perceiving it. So do you have another example of how like one of the other uh, types, the GM may look at it from one perspective, but the players may interpret it differently. Uh, yeah. I mean, I think uh, with, with the hard rails uh, I've seen, uh, you know, in the past, just times when they think that, you know, they're, they're planning their, their story, right. They have, they have their plot, but then, you know, they have extra time and they sort of fill in those details and, fill in the spaces between those gaps and so on and so forth. And now it is a chapter of a book or multiple chapters of, of a book. And the, you know, I've, I've seen where it's like, okay, I'd, I'd like to roll please. Anytime tonight would be great. <laughs> right. Uh, you know, like, can I do this? Well, it brings you back to, you know, to this. And it's like, uh, Oh, okay. Um, yeah, and the, the GM is probably thinking that they're providing some soft rails to keep people moving forward, keep driving the story forward, and the player probably feels like they're just riding on hard rails, and I don't get a chance to do anything, right? Exactly. Exactly. Like the 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 GM might be like, "All right, I have these couple of choices, even, and but I haven't really introduced those second, third choices. I've only presented the first, and you know, the players are like, okay, I feel like I'm just on one." nothing I can do. And the GM's like, uh, well, I have a couple things, but it sounded like you chose option one already. So I'm just going to run with that with you. Yeah. Or, or it's really weakly presented, you know, the, do you, do you want to go, you know, collect the heads of 10 goblins? Do you want to go, you know, round up a bunch of radishes or would you like to go track down a dragon? You know? Right. And they're like, Oh, I see. I see. Yeah. Do you want to look at the job postings? Do you want to go into the inn and drink, or do you want to deal with a heist? You know, it's yeah. like, wait, wait, what was the last one? Yeah, I guess that's the one we have to do. Uh, you look at the job postings; they're pretty all empty, and it's you know a reward of uh, two copper pieces. I mean, and I've done that for you guys before because you guys went through a period where you were trying to find job postings in like random small villages. And I'm like, you guys aren't here for side quests. You're right. here as a transition spot. So, yeah, it's, oh, well, you know, the local farmers need a little bit of help, you know, gathering their crops. And everybody's like, nope, nope, we're not stopping. <laughs> cool. <laughs> good. That was the idea. I wanted to give you the option, but yeah. I'm going to give you a crappy option. <laughs> The druid was like, I'm listening. Yeah. <laughs> well, and you did actually. You're like, well, I kind of felt bad that we didn't actually help them. So you did uh, the the growth spell, right? Yeah. Plant plant growth. Yeah. Plant growth. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I think it's always so important to listen to the players and the characters and see kind of where they're at in the story 
just in terms of choices? Like, do they feel like they have enough, not enough, too many, you know, something in between, but you know, I think whatever it is that they are feeling, you can and hopefully should adjust to a degree uh, to help, you know, facilitate this, this story. Um, Yeah. Yeah. I think think the one thing we haven't necessarily covered then, and so we've, we've kind of, thinking you're running soft rails, but really running hard rails and thinking you're running, uh, you know, choose your own adventure, but really the people, the players are feeling sandboxed. How do we differentiate between like step two and step three, the soft rails versus the choose your own adventure? Um, the, for the, the GM, it's an easier determination, right? Uh, you, you know which decisions are going to matter, which decisions are ultimately going to lead you to different things as opposed to lead you to the same thing to the player. Does it look that much different? Honestly, I don't think so. Uh, depending on how, like you said, uh, how insightful uh, the player is, or, you know, to say that my choices don't matter means that they, they recognized your option A out of the multiple choice kind of predeterminedly. Whereas if you're, if you kind of hide that well, or if, you know, the players don't notice, then they'd be like, Oh, you know, you presented a few job board postings and you know, that all seems in check. Um, but if they notice that every choice that they make just progresses the story or the choice that they make always gives them the right answer. They might start picking up on, you know, that uh, it doesn't matter what my choice is. We're going to get to the next stage in this plot. Right. So it's, it's a fine line between them. Uh, The GM would definitely recognize the difference. The player, depending on how, you know, obvious or, or how insightful the, the player is or how obvious the, the GM makes it, it that they would recognize the soft rail rails versus an open world concept. Okay. Yeah. That's kind of what I was thinking uh, as well as, yeah. So, so some of that may be that they don't necessarily know the difference and that the lines are fairly blurred there. Uh, and so, yeah, you're probably right. It depends on how astute or how cynical the player is, which one they feel like they're on. Everybody else may feel like it to choose your own adventure. And then the cynical one is like, it still doesn't matter. Right. Yeah. And I mentioned uh, the software else with, you know, story driven with the illusion of choice where, you know, you could pick any, any quest off the job post, but it, you're going to get the loot that I want you to get, regardless of which one you go for. Right. You're maybe get the, the same monster, right? same encounter. Uh, if I just job post, the, the, the encounter doesn't matter, but you're going to, you're going to come across an NPC out in the forest, regardless of which one that you you know, go do. And the NPC is the important part because they have information for your main story. Yeah. Like a lo- local monster, you know, hold up, you know, in possession of something. Well, you know, that, that monster is this, our, you know, encounter already built out. I don't, I don't know what, which, you know, job post you're going to go for, but that's going to be the monster you come across. That's going to be the NPC you find. That's, you know, stuck in the, in their lair. Uh, that's going to be the set amount of gold, uh, same, you know, magical items. It doesn't matter. Yeah. You do uh, the whole, there's a, there's a creepy 
fortress outside of town and the players are like, eh, we're not really interested. And then they, well, let's see what's on the job board. Hey, go investigate the creepy fortress. Well, I mean, maybe. Yeah. Or, yeah. I, yeah. I don't want to do that. Um, let's just go to the next town over. All right. The next town over is a big creepy, you know, fortress. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah, you know, it's like, Oh, Oh, I see. So that would be them recognizing that their choices don't matter. Um, if you, you know, hide it and it just turns out to be a, you know, creepy fortress, uh, they might not pick up on that, but that's, again, the GM would be like, this is my soft rails. And, but you as a player might say, oh, I'm open to go to the next town over. I'm welcome to pick any job post in this town, uh, so on and so forth. Um, so it's that, you know, it's a fine line, but. Uh, it is worth noting that the player could see it differently and then the GM would definitely more distinctly be able to say, oh, I definitely planned for the creepy fortress to be some other place that you go to for the quest. I haven't actually planned for the next town over, you know, so, you know, an open world GM might say, oh, like, that's totally different. Like, you know, you you skipped over the, the creepy uh, fortress. Let's just tuck that away and that's you know if you ever want to come back to it it's there but you chose not to do that so open world you're you're somewhere else now um or the gm might say i still want you to check this out i put in a lot of time and a lot of effort into the creepy fortress and uh gosh darn it you're gonna you're gonna see it (laughs) yeah oh there's different different uh things there but yeah it's it's they're they can be close for sure um but it's just a matter of, you know, like you said, how maybe how cynical or just, you know, how resourceful in terms of efficiency and reuse as uh, different ways of looking at it. But but you at the end of the day, you don't want your player or their character to say my choice doesn't matter. Yeah. Uh, or I have too many choices. You know, you don't want any of these things. So it's a matter of balancing between them so that you don't hear them say any of these quotes, I guess. Yeah, and it's so it's probably good then to to look at each of them, and obviously we don't want the uh, I have no choices or I don't get a choice. Those are kind of we we'll ex- we exclude those. The two in the middle though, we can we can balance those. It may not be that they always get a choice, but when they do get a choice, make sure they actually have an impact on what happens, uh, and, and then on the open world choose your own adventure idea the i have too many choices okay narrow the scope a little bit uh so that the choices that they have available still have value to them i guess that both of them need to be uh nailed down to the the point of making sure that the choices that you give them have meaning and have value regardless of whether uh they they feel like they don't matter or they have too many only give them choices that are going to to matter other other than that let them decide what they want to do or don't give them a choice and then maybe uh when the you know the choices are presented then that's where the agency really comes in and they grab hold of it they have buy-in and they say yes now we made the decision now let's do our best to you know accomplish this that type of thing where i guess if you if you give them all the decisions all the time, then they don't know, are we going the right way? Are we doing the right thing? We have no idea. 
versus never giving them any choices, then, you know, they you know, become resentful uh, and angry about not getting a choice. And even when you, you know, you let them choose the choice doesn't matter, that type of thing. So, yeah, I guess everything really goes goes back to allow your players to have agency, but then let their agency matter. Let, let it matter. And and by fluctuating and flowing through the spectrum, there are times like, you know, if, if you don't give them a choice on something once, then they'll really appreciate the agency, you know, in the next scene, you right. know, and be like, okay. And they'll, you know, they'll even feel like, Hey, there was a reason why I didn't get to choose there. Right. And then it sort of, it, it and then other times when you're like, all right, you have anything you want to do, go for it. And then it'd be like, wow, I, I'm free to just, you know, frolic in the fields. Get like the candy store. Is, yeah. yeah exactly. Beach like, episode. Cool. <laughs> uh, yeah. Be, beach episode. Exactly. But like, like, Oh, I, I, I feel like I've been like, you know, caught in this heavy plot this whole time. I have a moment to breathe. I have a moment to spend my loot. I have a moment to, you know, whatever that might be. You're um, saying I can actually get drunk at the tavern and I don't have to worry about getting ambushed. Cool. Yeah, I don't, I don't have to feel bad about enjoying my time at the tavern and you know, the princess isn't going to get kidnapped uh, during the night while I'm at the tavern. Uh, but yeah, I think having the player agency uh, matter is, is, I think the takeaway it, there are times when railroading is important. There are times when open world is important. Sandboxing, hard rails, though opposites have value at times, but it's that when do you want to give player agency versus when do you need to take it away? Even if it's just temporary, um, you know, to do you still got to have a plot, which might take away some player agency, but you want to give them the choice to, you know, definitely participate and heavily impact the plot. And that's when you want to give them the reins. So, yeah. yeah. So I think they're all good. Uh, I think if used in excess for any of these, then you're going to get players saying certain things and uh, it's not going to be as fun for everybody, I guess. Yeah. And so it goes back to, Kind of our, our rule number one of, you know, make sure everybody's having fun. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, do you have any other parting thoughts? I think that we've covered it pretty, pretty thoroughly. Uh, it may seem like a cop out answer that whenever we present these altern alternative, you know, dichotomies that we always say it's both, but I think we're, we're giving you these options on purpose because you know, if you listen to people on Reddit or people on Twitter, so many people take this hardline stance on so many things. And and with with gaming, whether it's, you know, running adventure modules or homebrew or, uh, you know, whatever the case is, whether it's railroad or sandboxing, whether it's doing lots of combat encounters or doing, you know, only having one fight a month because you're such a, a role play driven group, there's no wrong way to do it as long as you're doing what your group is comfortable with uh at that point the only wrong way to be gming is to do only what you feel like you want to do and not taking into account your group um so that's really the thing if everybody's having fun everybody feels like they're contributing 
collectively to telling a really cool story, then you're doing it right. And whatever that looks like for your group, that's the right way to do it. Yeah. And I mean, though our answers might be, you know, cop out, like you said, uh, if you made it this far, then, you know, you'll at least hopefully maybe not necessarily appreciate, but just acknowledge that railroading isn't all bad. Uh, same with sandboxing, you know, it's not yeah. all bad and there's, there's time, there's a time and a place for, for all of these. And, um, yeah, that's definitely worth taking to heart. Yeah. As for you, sure. uh, move on. Yeah. Cool. Well, cool. Uh, if you have your own preferences, uh, let us know, uh, leave comment, leave a review, uh, let us know which, uh, end of the spectrum you tend to lean toward whether it's the hard rails, the soft rails, the choose your own adventure, or even the sandboxing. Uh, maybe we've overlooked something, a vital component of one of those and can add it to our own GM toolbox. We're open to listening there as well. Absolutely. But, but uh, until next time. Have a good night. Yeah. Catch you later.